Welcome to your Partnering Leadership Academy podcast. This podcast series is designed to share insights, experiences and practical guidance from experts on various aspects of partnering leadership. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Eva Bilhuber-Gali, and I'm the founder of the Partnering Leadership Academy, and I'm hosting this monthly series of conversations with incredible guest experts on aspects of partnering leadership. And today's episode is about exploring time consciousness and which role, uh, sorry, time consciousness, to be correct, and which role it plays specifically, of course, in professional partnering. And I'm so happy and so excited really to have Anna Yelen, the wonderful Anna Yelen with us here, who is called by her audience, the time expert, and who is a wonderful colleague of mine. Welcome, Anna. Thank you very much, Eva. I am so pleased and so happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you so much. Before we dive into uh, let me share a little bit about your incredible, uh, exciting um, background. So Anna Yelen is a native of Schwie Schwie, so from Switzerland and Sweden. It's really a tongue breaker. And she developed a deep understanding of the transients of time at the age of six. A near-death experience in her teenage years made her realize again that life consists of consciously created moments. As a speaker, Anna Yelen began to deal intensively with the topic of time. Her goal is to help people deal better and more consciously with their time. In a fast-paced and globally connected society, this is more important than ever. During her world tour in more than 20 different cities, cities she captivated an intercultural audience with her motto, Create Moments. With her open and lively manner, she shares her knowledge, tools and experiences and inspires her audience. As an inquisitive and open-minded person, Anna Yelen also looks at other aspects of time and visited people in old people's homes as well as in prison in her own projects. In doing so, she gathered special experiences and impressions on the understanding of time, which she passes on in her lectures. So thanks so much, dearest Anna, for taking time to be here in our Pila podcast series. And I know you are incredibly active in your own podcast and you are valued as well as guests in international podcasts too. So I'm 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 even more privileged, or I feel more privileged and grateful that you took the time to be here with us today. And not to lose any time, let's just dive in immediately in our first question. So you are a self-declared time expert. What does time mean to you? Oh wow, we're starting with a with a big question, big question. What does time mean to me? I think my relationship with time has changed many times in my life. And I've been thinking about this a few days ago and also when I received your your questions. And it was very interesting to see. So I think that I am born with the fascination for or about time. 
and a bit with a consciousness that I don't know where it comes from, but that's the time is limited. I've always had it. So there we have the thing that I'm born with it. And then I think the near-death experience, as you mentioned, which I had when I was 17 years old, this relationship to, to time changed in a way that I understood that time is all about moments, that, that time is filled with moments. And then we carry on. Uh, I think in my teenage times, I lived and I worked four years in Germany. And it is very interesting to see during those times, it was four or five years, I would say I lived extremely timeless. So I, my relationship to time was extremely timeless. I was, and I often think about this because I see it as a very good example, because I was in a play mode. I was, I was, I mean, in those years, everything is new. You do so many things for the first time. And when you do things for the first time, it always gets you right into the present moment. So that's what I'm meaning with, um, I didn't care about my future at that moment. I was just happy to have a job, um, even though the job wasn't always very exciting. I did, I, I did the best out of it, and I just and and I played. I was in this. I call it a play mode, and um, I was very playful at that time. So when you're playful, there is something which I, as I say, remind myself even today. When you're playful. You are in the present moment. It, it really is like that. And um, then um, now we are in the beginning of my 20s. What did time mean for me by then? Now I became, I started to be um, a project manager and a product manager. I think that what I thought was a lack of time by that time because I had a lot of work to do and I, I thought it is a lack of time which isn't true because um, I, I realized um, later on that time management didn't help me in that in that case but that's when I started with classical time management. Th that was really in my early 20s when I thought okay I have so much to do how do I organize myself and I started to read and to get really good at time management. And um, today I know why did time management not work? It's because I had too high expectations and what I could do in a day. I had too many projects, simple as that. I had a lack of discipline. I had a lack of um, ability to focus, to concentrate. Time management doesn't help then, but I had to learn that. So that's when I started with time management. And I think a few years later, that was when the relation to time changed completely. That was when I started, I was still a product manager and I started to work with women with cancer. And they taught me to look at time differently, completely. And it, I came back to how I was born with the fascination about the limited time, about 
uh, again, my consciousness about I don't know how much time I have. That was it was back then, and um, I remember I was twenty four years old when I did my first workshop about time, and it was called, it was called, "Don't live as if you have another thousand years to live," and. To come back, what does time mean today for me? I think today it is a mixture of all of it. Everything I've been saying, it is a mixture of all of it. And um, yeah, so I think what what does time mean? It If I should break it down, it is about... For me, it is always about today. It is, it, it really is. I try to make every day count. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, today counts. That's, that's how I wake up. I, I realize, um, today, this is my time and today counts. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for this. I think you live through and put in word that everybody of us somehow in probably more unconscious way, has been through and that reveals to me as well that the relationship to time is actually an evolving one uh, which I never thought of um, actually thank you for this for this hint nevertheless I think today if I look at today's world let's say and most of us maybe I I would say I would say that the relationship with our time has become let's say difficult Um I think we seem to be somehow, particularly in the professional world, of course, and particularly if I look at at my management colleagues, uh, in a constant battle with our time, you know. And I think most people, I would say, including myself, actually, um, we feel somehow like constantly chasing our time, having not enough hours uh, for everything we want to do. Um, so I was wondering if we look at this, um, specific relationship of time today, um, um, what has happened to that relationship to time? Why do we feel so stressed about time? Or most of us feel so stressed about time and, and chronically short. Is there any explanation you can give us? Yes, absolutely. And it is, um, I think that is the most important thing we're going to talk about is exactly this point. And afterwards, of course, how how is it possible to change? Because there are two aspects how I look at it. First, we have the individual one. I think if we look at the individual one, it is... I mean, a friend of mine, she said it right. She said, I met her in Zurich and she said, look, Anna, I go to bed frustrated. I go to bed frustrated because I haven't done the things I wanted to do. And I remember sitting there and thinking, okay, so what is it? Um, What I can tell you is she told me what she wanted to do in that day. And it was just, it was so much. It was so much. And we did actually, we did the the math. We we looked at what you wanted to do. We put the hours behind it or the minutes behind it. We counted it all together. And she came up to 31 hours. And which is so funny because of course you go frustrated to bed if you have an, a to-do list, which would be 
30, which would need 31 hours, but we just have those 24 hours. Of course, we are frustrated. So that was one of my first approaches for myself was, okay, I have to look at my to-dos. I have to look at what is it what I want to do in a daily basis. And I believe that our uh, our expectations are far too high, far too high. Now, why is that? That is because we are surrounded by, we see it everywhere. We just open up the smartphone, we go on a bus, we take the train, we are at the um, Hauptbahnhof in Zurich. I mean, there is, there everywhere we get input of what is possible, on, on what is available. There is so much out there which is available and we are we are curious. The human being is very curious. So we want, maybe I want to do this and I want to do that and want to do this. But in the end, the result is we are frustrated because it is just far too much. At the moment for us, it is far too much. So later we talk about the how and how we could avoid that. Thank you so much. I mean, what what I I am I am certainly one. I I just nodded uh, very much when you said about this. I ask this far too high expectations to ourselves. Um, that's that's definitely true. And I admit I'm one of those people who definitely put too much on my to do list every day. And um, uh, I hope it will get better um, maybe over the years. Um, but I understand that what you are conveying to us that's not only an individual thing. So it's also that we live in a society that has actually changed and particularly has ch changed also, I mean, which is which can be also seen um, as a blessing that we have so many options to choose by now. But that means in a certain extent that we need to renew our relationship to time and how we look at uh, time uh, in in our lives. So, of course, now the question is, what can we do to regain our serenity and and a more conscious, peaceful and fulfilling relationship with time? What is, what's your experience? What can help us here? Well, I think, f first of all, it is it is the awareness. We have to be aware of something. And that is what you explained. It is the the social acceleration. It is the modern times what, what we where we live in right now. And what we have to understand if to get in there for a short a short moment before we come up with the solutions, because that is so important. So we the social acceleration means that we want like economics um take every part in in on the world we want to increase we want to innovate we want to grow we want to produce more and more and more so that is we have a permanent increase that's that's one thing and the other thing is that um we we're in that we are in that race we we think that we have to permanently increase everything which i would ask myself is it really is do we really have to but at the moment we are in it and then we have the technology we have the digitalization 
And there are lots of advantages, but again, there is this av- availability. It is, it is just so much. And what I think is that we can accelerate many things, many, many things, but we cannot accelerate nature. And I see the human being as nature. And here comes now the the big problem. It is somehow it doesn't work. It it it's not it doesn't work out. So what I mean, we have a fast system putting pressure on a slow system. The fast system is the technology, digitalization, and the slow system that is us. The human being is slow. We're not that fast as how we are living at the moment. So what I always say is our soul is too slow for the speed of the social sphere. It, it really is. And that's what makes us unhappy. That's what makes us frustrated. That is what makes us sick. We have high burnout. We have um, um, the whole psychology. We have mental health issues. It is because it's, it's, it doesn't work. It is too fast for us. And so the acceleration, I always say, is heating up everything, even us, even even the human being. Now, what is the solution? I mean, the solution, it is, it's huge. And um, I always say we should go into that in politics. And politics and economics and science uh, everywhere we should be talking about it but this that might take a moment so we can do it on an individual basis and the biggest question for me is what are we lacking we lack what is the human being lacking and I mean that is exactly what we can ask ourselves when we feel somehow you don't feel good why why and it is um it's like i have so many friends who are just stressed really stressed the whole time so they are not good and when i ask them what is it what are you lacking they come up with things like phrases they say i lack excitement an internal vibration uh meaningful connections energy the lack of energy and so that's where we have to start that's where we have to start to think okay how can we get that back now what i do what i do so and another phrase i just heard a few days ago it was someone he said he said i feel disconnected I feel disconnected with everything. And he also said another phrase, I noted it. He said, I often ask myself, what am I doing here? Wherever he is, in a meeting or at work or you tell me. And he asks him, what am I doing here? I mean, it, it hurts my heart when I just hear it. And, and then I look at what is happening and now I come to one kind of solution um, in my eyes it is to go back to the roots 
What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human? And I've been really working on this um, lately a lot because it's how I, and also the the topics which we're going to talk about, about work, I will always come back to what I'm saying right now. I think the human being, I talk about characteristics, traits, behaviors, what do we naturally do? I thought about what do we naturally do? So naturally is we like to use reasoning and intelligence, our intelligence. We love, we so good in problem solving. The human being loves problem solving. We have a great ability to analyze, to learn, to innovate, to create, to search for solutions. So this is one part. I really, I, we can even say it's about the value. It's reasoning and intelligence. Then we have culture. We are cultural beings. We like shared beliefs. We like values. We like to talk about the same values. We like traditions. So we have culture. Another very natural thing for the human being is to be emotional. Emotions. We have a wide range of emotions and we have, um, we must have the possibilities to share those emotions. Well, we can do this is very good for us as a human being. Another thing we have is to innovate and create. We love to innovate and create. We, we, we need that space. And of course, if you, if we talk about innovation and creation and we need the space of being able to get into a state of flow. We can absolutely talk about that in a second. Another pillar of being human is communication. It is to speak, to talk. It is, um, it is to tell how we feel, to tell our feelings, to tell what we think, to tell about our ideas. It's communication in a way of really speaking, talking to each other. And the last thing which I have, the pillar is art and creativity. We all have a unique ability for creativity, uh, visual arts, music, literature, dance, you name it. Now, it was important for me to name that because I believe that if we have this in our daily lives, at work, with other people, that is when we would come back to we wouldn't ask ourselves the question, what am I doing? Because it would be extremely natural in what we are doing. It's what we want to do. We want to be touched. We want to be touched by things that resonate with ourselves. And that's that's where I want to go, to, to that place to say, okay, um, we can't stop the acceleration. We cannot. But the solution would be that we start to think about how can we bring the roots of being human being back to this accelerated life and world. Oh, I've been talking a lot, but... Um... <laughs> no, that's wonderful. I let you speak as much as you like. No, wonderful. I think I really love that it resonates so much to me because it's so much relation to um, everything we are currently discussing. So this whole 
fear-based discussion around artificial intelligence, I also would answer with what you just said, what is about our human intelligence? Maybe it is a wake-up call to rethink and to go back to what is actually, what makes us human? What is our human strengths? And that's what you just found out, what you just carved out um, and very nicely. That is exactly what distinguishes us from other creatures. And that is also something that we maybe have not take care enough over the last um, decades or centuries, in a sense. And that is something we might want to revisit and rejuvenate, in a sense. And interestingly, that you bring that up from the point of view of time, you know, because um, that that is new to me to think about um, our timing issues or our issues with time and our relationship with time with answering it by coming back to our human strengths and values changes our perception of time immediately. Immediately. And so if I, just to summarize, if I got you correctly, so that's that's basically your advice you're telling us. So whenever we want to get out of this chasing mode of where time kind of we feel to be suppressed or pressed into the drumbeat of our external clocks, um, that um, that you say, come back to your roots, concentrate on what values you have as a human being, or what what is what is our strength as human beings, and bring that to the center, and then that is when time actually um, gets gets into the background rather, or becomes an alley for everything that wants to emerge on a humanity side. Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. And I think the, the what I what you th those pillars which I was talking about, I would th say that's the discussion we would have to have at work. Th that that is exactly I had a fabulous um chef um uh, my boss he was like he was my mentor and he he really had all those things in our daily lives in a in an in a company. It was like communication was one of the most important things for him. He wanted to know what everyone in their things. And what he always did, he went for walks with the people and walk and talk he called it. And so I think what we've just been discussing is really for um the the work, the business um idea and if i would say individually what i started doing for myself i even break it down even more i i told myself once okay when i wake up in the morning my to-do list is is as your to-do list with loads of things on it everyone has a has a big to-do list so we already have this huge to-do list i wanted to have one which is really small so what I did is I broke it down to three pillars. It's called body, mind, soul. When I, I wake up in the morning and that's those three pillars, if I do one thing for one pillar each day, I go to bed happy. I don't care about my to-do list if it has been worked down or not, or if I'm lacking stuff or missing stuff. 
But if I do something for my mind, if I do something for my body, and if I do something for my soul, I am a happy person. I really am. Um, the the mind pillar is very easy. It's work. That's where I, my work is with my mind. That's where I have to create ideas. That's where I have to think. That's where I have to create speeches. And so my mind is is absolutely, you know, we can make a check there. So every day I have something to occupy my mind. Then we have the the body. The body thing, I sometimes have to remind myself that there is a body uh, because I love to be in my head. But um, to remind myself to, that I have a body, I will do something good for it. So in the morning, I will ask myself, and this is an, another topic is chronobiology. I will ask myself, what does my body want today? Does it need a swim? Does it want to have a walk? Does it want to relax? Does it want to have a meditation? What does my body need? And I don't plan it in forehand. I, I, have, I have enough plans. You can't plan everything. And, and again, here's chronobiology is so important. Your inner clocks, your body will tell you what it needs. So I'm not planning it, but I will do it. If I tell myself today it would be nice for a nice walk, I will go out for a walk. And the last pillar is the soul. Soul for me is love. And love for me is other people. Connect just this now with with you. This is my soul pillar gets a check after this um, Zoom meeting with you after this conversation, and and then I'm a happy person. Those three like these are my values: body, mind, soul. If I have something, and and this is yeah. If we want to break it down to not going frustrated to bed, it would be. To have a look at those three pillars. Yeah, maybe it is completely different for someone else. But for me, these are the three pillars. So it's interesting. You you advise that we get conscious about what is uh, doing good to us in these pillars. And then to introduce that into your daily um, time schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that way. Um, and then, of course, to live upon. Which, which means that requires two things in my eyes. So first of all, you need to be conscious about what is good for you, which yes. might already be a tricky thing for some people, I could imagine, because we are so overwhelmed with so many exterior um, information and vibrating. As you said, the social uh, acceleration is also, we are in this social acceleration. Um, so first, I need to be clear about what is going good for me and the second i think even more important one is to live upon so to to really step into the courage to say nevertheless what's happening that's something i take care and time and conscious for and i would assume or um so i i would assume that most of our audience would say well that that sounds quite idealistic, but I need to go at eight o'clock to work and to earn my money. And, you know, how do do I bring that in? And particularly, as you say, how can I handle these tremendous outside distraction forces that we are all exposed to? So I, I came across when you said this, uh, when you, you named it social acceleration, 
what what popped into my mind was somebody I wished I would remember his name um, said lately um, there is we start we have an external nervous system created by the internet. This is nothing else than what we have internally. Our internal nervous system is now as well externally, and so I found that as such a helpful metaphor because it's also electricity. It's also the same with us inside. If we do not have the gas pedal and the brake, if we cannot, you know, use both um, in in a good balance, then we will off will escalate. Our system will escalate either, as you said, in burnout, either in aggressive aggressivity, in in any kind of imbalance that is might might be not in the short term, but uh, specifically in the long term. So, I was wondering if there's anything what you could advise, which helps us also to get um, to manage kind of this, how far do I let this external nervous system or how far do I tap into this external nervous system? And I just realized it myself that this fear to lose, to, 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 um, to, um, to miss out something in this huge amount of, opportunities outside there you know so be it five parties that i'm invited or whatever to so this fear to move to to lose out is probably one of the most distractive moments and the most obviously distractions we are exposed to um so i'm i'm wondering is there anything you can convey to us um what we can do to Beside, you know, having our pillars set and our rituals set around these pillars to leave, to, to set boundaries to this external nervous system. I'm wondering just if you have some tips and hints for us here. Uh, I'm just thinking about, I mean, I have seen both. I have been employed in a big company, international company, where I was exactly um, experiencing what many people do when they are a product manager, project manager. What I always did, and this is my nature, and I'm very happy for that, it is I question things. If my boss comes and says, you have to have two phones, um, I asked why. And she said, no, Anna, now we're not going to talk about the why. You're just going to have those two phones. I would say, I want to know why. I I question everything. Um, and that was, um, for me, it was, that is setting boundaries. That's absolutely setting boundaries. Do I really have to? Do I really have to? We have to ask ourselves those questions. It is dangerous if we don't do it. It really is. The same, and then I see, so, okay, we have it, if we are employed, we have to be those persons who do question some processes, routines, habits. I believe we should. I really believe we should. The same thing now, if you are someone who has your own company, I have so many friends who are now starting, and I'm very happy that they say, I don't want to be in that system. I'm going to create my own system. Now, you said it. Um, everyone is going to want to tell you how to do it. Everyone. 
And there are so many ways and they are gonna, you have a thousand different people who will tell you how to do Instagram. You have uh, a thousand different people who tell you how to do this and that and everything. And, and then we try to listen to all of them and we get confused. We get completely confused. And there again, what do I, we have to get a little bit of the, I don't want to call it a rebel mind, but it really is, do I really have to? Do I really have to do, um, I name now very simple, do I have to do 10 posts a day to on Instagram to get successful? Because that is many people who are telling you that. If you don't question it and you will do it, you will arrive again at the moment where you just burned out, where you think, oh, I can't do it anymore. So it needs a little bit more of um, the questioning, do I really have to? And, you know, I did it all. I, I did everything wrong, which you can do wrong when you start a business for years. It, it was a disaster. It really was a disaster. And I read so many books on how to be successful and everything. And the funny thing is, when my business was going down, like really down, um, when I had nothing more to lose, that's when I asked myself, how would Anna do it? How would I do it? Because I did it like my graphic designer said. I did it like many books said, uh, my marketing boys, what they said. It didn't work because... I don't know why it didn't work because because I maybe I didn't believe it. I have no idea. But the thing is, when it started to work was because I asked myself, how would Anna do it? And Anna would do it like this and like this and like that. And then there is vibration. And then you will feel my heartbeat. And then you will feel my love putting in. And then you make a difference. That's when you make a difference. So, I mean, another thing... Um, just maybe I'm coming up with a completely different topic, but I think also one big question is, if we talk about work, is why do I work? Why do I work? I need to be able to answer this question. Why do I work? And I've been doing this workshop with with companies, with, with people. I said, do you know why you get up in the morning? Why is it? I mean... um. Is it because you want to occupy your mind? I once had a guy, he said, I want to work because I want to occupy my mind. I think that's a great, it's a great answer. Um, is it, are you working because you want to be seen? Are you working for external validation? What is it? Is that good? Is that not good? I can tell you, I work a lot and I love my work. When I when I, in the morning, when I get up, when I'm in my office, I know this, I own the game. This is my playground. My office is my playground. I want to feel it. And yes, I I had exactly the same when I was employed. And when, not, uh, when I didn't love everything I did, I still wanted to, to feel the day. As I said in the beginning, I wanted the, to make the day count. So I'm going to be fully in it. And 
and I'm going to question things. And if it goes too fast, I I always, when it started to go too fast, too, too much going, I I said, can we talk about it? And then here come come the, the, the human things again. I had such a good chef who said, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. Let's find solutions. Do we have too many meetings? Yes, we have too many meetings. Which meetings can we re, um, eliminate? Um, who does have to be at the meeting? It's loads of questions. So, I'm thank you, thank you. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited because you bring everything up. That that is so much resonating with me. Before we dive into, because you're already diving into the the topic, which I'm also very much curious about what you have to say in the in the partnering context, of course. Um, but maybe just shortly summarize at this point in time what you said about the the individual time management. We were just into this question: how we can get out of this vicious cycle of being chased um, individually. Um, if I may summarize it with my own words, I what I what I took away is that um, actually it's not about managing the time, uh, not at all. It's about going beyond and and figuring out what are my core values and what are my core why and trying to organize my my life in alignment with these values and my why whatever happens outside there whenever I can to be as much as I can in alignment because it's this alignment which brings to me a shift in perception about time correct yeah. so that's that's why to to kind of start with the symptoms, I have not much enough time and all these kind of little tips and tricks, uh, you know, how to schedule right and blah, 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 might be kind of a symptom intervention in the short term. But if we want to tackle this vicious or step out of this vicious cycle on a long term, if I get you correctly, then we need to go beyond. We need to go on the level of our values, of um, our life design, we had actually a wonderful podcast as well about our life design, just to name. <laughs> that was exactly tackling this question about the why and the life design. And what I get from you is that with that, automatically, in a sense, our consciousness about time shifts in a way that we perceive it rather as an ally than as a enemy and that is because we feel into a vibration of a flow we feel aligned we feel our three components body soul and mind come together yes okay so that that is for me very important to 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 hear um because that would mean if we want to get out of this visual cycle we might need kind of a beyond approach and not only um, trying to make meetings shorter or longer. Yeah. <laughs> and having said that, I would love, um, I would really love to go to this aspect now, if you don't mind. Um, because of course, that's one that I'm most interested in, because we always have the impression that the whole time management issue is a personal one. So if I get, you know, my daily structured and, you know, all, all, all that you said, which is certainly to a whole, bunch of um, um, part it's 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 true nevertheless as, as as much as I'm in collaboration with others my time is not necessarily mine anymore it's actually ours and that's of course why I am most interesting to hear from you um, 
what does what time what's the role of time in allowing good collaborations um and how important it is in allowing to good collaboration and partnering as i call it to um emerge because that's certainly something that most managers and leaders are concerned of you know how do i use the time best in order to um enable in best ways um collaboration in my team or across teams or in my partnerships is there anything from your side what you say when is time giving time useful and when is you know um less time maybe useful yeah yeah it is it is a very it is i i must admit it is a hard question because of the reality we are in i mean i see it on a daily basis i now also have a podcast where i invite guests and i mean the amount of emails i get the funny thing is the podcast is called hash seat which means do you have time <laughs> and um so of course i talk about when i um sent the email i said do you have time and the people are so embarrassed um when they have to write back i would love to be on it but i don't have time and it's a huge huge thing so I've been thinking about this. I've been working. I I've have had partnering collaborations and everything. And it is for me personally, it is very hard when I'm with someone in a meeting and I feel that this person doesn't want to be there or he would like to be there, but he doesn't have time to be there. I wonder where a good collaboration can how can a good collaboration start if you have two people and they're both stressed? That, that's where I start. So what I think is when I look back also at the teams I was working in, um, the chefs I had, the bosses I had, where was it where I would say, I want to go back there? Because even in the modern world where acceleration, where the pace is the problem, it worked there. Why? Why did it work? And I come back to to what does it need in my eyes? In my eyes, it needs space and it needs time. If someone comes and says, okay, Anna, look, um, we're going to be here now for the next hour. But in that hour, I get all of that, what I called before being human, that we have the, the possibility to to communicate, to tell our feelings, how do we feel about it, that we can be creative, that we can be innovative, a brainstorming. If that has space, it is, it's beautiful. Then you're sitting there and everything, and now I'm coming back again to it vibrates, you, you get this internal vibration and that's what we want. We want to be touched. And I think... Yes, we we can get ourselves there because it is so it is what we want. It is what we want. So I always say also when I speak to CEOs, um 
And when they say it's not just about growing, it is not just about um, having more next year. It is maybe about just having people working there who say, I love to work here. I mean, this is exceptional today. It is exceptional. So good partnering, good partnership is um, where we get culture in, where we where we take time, where we leave space. And yeah, how can I, do, do you have, how do you see it? It would be interesting to, because you're the expert in it. How would you see it? Uh, definitely, I can I can resonate with all you said, and and I love your approach to say, when we come back to our human strength, when we have meetings that actually support our human, specifically human strength, with 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 uh, which is indeed co-creation, collaboration, a communication, um, rather than simply informing, simply exchange knowledge or whatever which tires us all, okay? So I have also people um, coming up to me and say, well, there's no interaction engagement in my meetings, what can I do? And then I say, ask a question. And then they look at me and say, well, okay. <laughs> so I think it's, it's simply, it's, it's simply to get into dialogue instead of only transactional exchange and that is indeed what needs time. Mm -hmm. And the insane thing, and that comes all back to what you're saying so beautifully, to question, to question, you know, we, we live in a current in our current culture, faster is better. Mm -hmm. If we spell it out or not, faster is better, doing is better than being still or being, uh, simply being. Um, and and that is all infiltrated in us so much that we value every time that we are not in a dualship, mm -hmm. you know, we de-evaluate and say that was waste. So when you have a meeting without a result, with a tangible result, you most people have the perception, not because it was like this, but because we are actually infiltrated by this kind of culture that it has been a waste of time because there had not been one tangible result. Nevertheless, if we look at everything you said, these pillars of human strength, I'm pretty much sure that we would be able to see, wow, there was a little bond of trust that certainly evolved among these people who were actually totally unknown to each other. We would be able to see that suddenly one build upon each other's knowledge created together a solution that nobody would be able to create alone. If we were able to see that and give that a value, I would say that nobody would run out of a meeting to say it was a waste of time because there was no tangible result of it. So I'm so happy to hear from your side as well as a time expert that this is also from a timing perspective actually the case. Um, because that's what most of people, what most of people keep, um, uh, um, keeps in this visual cycle is actually this thinking. And that's why they reduce the time of meetings, which for me is, is absolutely a, a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. 
because it doesn't make the 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 relationship it has no possibility to emerge anymore and it accelerates also our meeting tact which means that we come with a stress brain as i call it you know amygdala under fire we come in each meeting which which is not possible to relate we all know that we need a nervous system that is calmed down in order to be able to relate to be free of self cognitions in order to really listen to each other so um that's where i think time is a is a so important ingredient for partnering and more important is that we value times of relatedness connectivity as valuable times even though we might not have on the short run something a concept on our paper or whatever or a solution immediately or whatever you know i think that's the trouble with um with the time that in some instances we need more time to relate and um uh in order to really get our results but as we de-evaluate per se any kind of hour that doesn't give us any productive tangible results in our kind of late capitalism thinking um i think that that's where your questioning and your courage needs to come in and that's for me as well the only way how we can make bring partnering to the next level <laughs> on my on my understanding and and also bring back our human strength mm-hmm. um our uniqueness as humans into uh, into play and our well-being as yes, i said absolutely. i think all the three are beautifully related in when we would be able to bring more time in for relatedness and connectivity and our emotional needs in yeah. general yeah can i come up with one example because you know i i i hear the voices and i know i mean i have those conversations on a daily basis where i hear people to say this is not reality and blah 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 and and we can't do that yes we can absolutely because there are there are enough examples out there who do it differently and um, maybe we just don't talk enough about them but i have one ceo she was um she was a startup and she had a lot of success she made a lot of money she fast had um i think about suddenly double as much um employees from 80 to 160 and i asked her i said how what is it what what is your what's the secret and she said she said i know exactly what it is and um and um what she did she asked her employees to when they come to the to the company in the morning that they take their they go and get the coffee and they take their coffee everyone has a notebook everyone has a pen and that they go and have that coffee for at least the minimum is half an hour sit and think that's how she calls it you have to imagine 160 persons not at the same time but 160 persons get half an hour every single day to sit and think i love that even love if that. nothing comes out of it but she said every idea we had 
which made us grow, which gave us the success we had, was from one person who had the idea when he or she was sitting and thinking. Absolutely. And I can even double that because um, you remind me of another example of one company I was in, um, a very innovative company. They did the same in pairs. They did. They said, okay, each of you, each of a team member ha should meet another colleague from a different department of his or her choice, notabene, um, once in a quarter, and they should sit together one hour with the question, how can we move our company forward? And it didn't need to come out anything. You know, it, it was interesting, but the only thing is they uh, they um, were asked to report back what they discussed. That was only the only thing. So there was, I think, a blog or a newsletter or what app where they just um, kind of channeled back what they thought. So that was scheduled. That was scheduled every quarter um, in order to also enrich the cross unit collaboration and communication. But also to actually, as you said, to uh, raise the whole innovative uh, thinking, which needs time, which needs time to calm down. You know, if you if you only are, as we said, in this acceleration, you get always overwhelmed by all these outside um, noise. And as soon as you sit down and be still and calm alone or maybe also only the two of you then something can come out of you you know otherwise only the things just terrorize and come um into you and lately one of my uh yoga teachers said so something that really stick with me um he said stillness is not the absence of movement mm. stillness is it being in resonance Stillness is not the absence of movement. Stillness is being in resonance with yourself, with people around, with with nature, with what is being in resonance. You know, I think in the sports area, we have understood that regeneration is, is, is necessary and that that's not the absence of activity. It is a state in its own that has value. And I think as soon as we... Coming back to your question of what we were discussing and what you also pointed out, as soon as we acknowledge what our strengths are and what we need, you came up with this idea of what we need, we need sometimes stillness. We need to actually uh, calm down this whole nervous system inside ourselves, but also outside ourselves, this external nervous system, you know, which can be, be uh, become very pretty nervous, right? So I think that is the new way we need to think our time. It's not to think about time. It's yeah. to think about our values, as you say, our human strengths to come to the fore and to nourish these strengths individually, disciplined individually, but also um, on on the workplace area and, and floor um, when it comes to, to partnering. So I think that's that's absolutely resonating with me. So um, and I also love that you said 
let's exchange on examples because I think you are totally right. We need to hear from each other. What are our hints? What brought us forward and so on? And for that purpose, I would love, I would love to hear from you also the downside. So I would love to hear what, what is the most destructive way in your, I, um, in your experience, what we can do with time. And of course, what is the most constructive way we um, can manage our time that you came across in your intense journey about um, exploring time in more depth? I think, well, I think one of the most destructive ways of time management is when it is exactly what we already mentioned. It is when it is one-sided, when the, 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 the people are not getting included when when it is um, just being like do this and do that and and or planning 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 and no action behind it that is also something when I what I see with um, independent people who create their own um, um, their own how do you say their their own business and they 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 do a lot of planning it it needs action the, oh, I, I love, I love, I love that you say that because yeah. actually it reminds me that we can fall down both sides. We can give too yeah. much time. We can have too much time. Yeah. Because also, you know, restricted. I, I, I experienced that particularly in my workshop. I don't know if you have this, um, this experience too. So sometimes you have like rubrics or whatever, and then people say, oh, we need more time. And I, I say, I specifically sometimes give only a short amount of time and I say to them, it's not said that more time will get you in better results. It rather might be that you come up into more your planning, more your mind, blah, blah, and shorter times brings you rather back to, to your intuition and to your creativity because you have no, you have no time to think about it. You just have to go about it into, to, intuitively. So, um, that's, that's why I think you remind us greatly that we can fall down on both, both sides. And on the other sides, what I've seen is also very destructive is what you said. We never come into accountability, into action. So this procrastination is just tolerated in to uh, to to an amount that this is really feeling feeling very inefficient and specifically um um and particularly destructive that my human strengths cannot be used i cannot bring in my uniqueness i cannot bring in anything up and that's interestingly um that we came up now with a um with a what i called a accountability booster template under the under the notion of partnering, because um, I mean, you would suggest something like that to be in a management kind of uh, course. Why does that come up under partnering? Because to how to end meetings and to really foster accountability is the most partnering thing you can do, and that's that's why I love that you bring that up. That this is actually the worst. Uh, example of time management because also that is the worst thing you can do for professional um, partnering. So um, I I think that's a great reminder that you say that it's not about laissez-faire and and not set you know timing boundaries and so on. But let's move on the positive side now. What well, what is what is has been your experience 
um, you said already one with the CEO of this um, company. Yeah, I think another one is to let the people work without distraction. That is the most, it is, we have no idea how distracted we are. And um, we once had to, um, we really had to time log our activities. We really had to write down how much time we need for which task. And and uh, we had to, I remember making um, a small, um, how do you call it? Strichli, uh, small... Uh check checkpoint check or, yeah. when you whenever you were distracted whenever you uh, did something else at what you should do you have no idea how much we are distracted and if you have a working place or a working space where you get the chance to work without distraction it is gold it is gold in our, in in our in our in this modern society it is gold so that that is something like we were able to um or i saw others as well where they said hey we have open door policy in our company but when the door is closed we know that this person is working on a project without distraction no phone calls and and then they have a little note on the door it says 30 minutes focused work and um that was for me the best examples I can see or still are if you allow your people to work without distraction or you get there by yourself. I mean, I've been, I'm I'm extremely disciplined, even though people wouldn't give it to me if they know me. Um, I can, I think um, there is a lot of chaos as well, but in my work, I'm extremely disciplined. So when I work on something, I um, there will be an hourglass, half an hour hourglass. I will turn it and I will tell myself, and now I take time to do this and I don't do anything else. I don't allow myself to do anything else. And it is beautiful. If we can get our brains there, that is the best time management we can do. If we get our brains there to work on you know like this and bang and 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 it's it's also it's such a good feeling to work without distraction and that is you could get into flow you can get into a concentrated mood in a focused mood um it's the best we can do it's the best we can do i totally i totally hear you and i think you are totally right because um, if I remember, there was a study a couple of years ago, I think even from Microsoft, they, they just um, found out that our attention span is shrinking, yeah. dramatically shrinking. Dramatic. And we are, we are under the goldfish. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we, we are, I think, at, at all that time, it's already five, ten or, or uh, seven years ago. It was eight seconds. So that means every eight seconds, we get another kind of um, distracted uh, sign or um, uh, distraction. We are exposed to an distraction or we search for a distraction. So in eight seconds, we, we can we can observe ourselves that we just, you know, if there's no distraction from the outside coming upon us, we search for a distraction. So what you are saying is basically what I can, what, what I can totally underline is that 
what when it comes to how do we need to renew our skills in or not our skills but our view on time management it's that we need to shift to energy and focus management so what we need really to learn is how we keep our energy focused how we can stay concentrated despite the whole nervousness outside of us and maybe also inside of us um so that's what i hear the best time management advice we can get in our days and that we might need to cultivate and also learn over the that's not nothing you know we we have learned in school so far so i think that's something we really need to take care of and interestingly <laughs> and not surprisingly that's the same for partnering so if we want to have good partnerships we need to be aware and available for each other so we need to be focused to listen to each other otherwise i mean i run into particularly online meetings where everybody has as is only 50% there they are present but they are not present you know what i mean so they are present 50% and this is like i'm sorry to say working with dementia or with dementia people because they are half sided only there and the other half is somewhere else in their emails or whatever so that means the productiveness of course of this meeting slows down tremendously mm-hmm. people keep repeating questions that we have discussed maybe 20 minutes before and i think if out of that you go out and say this is a waste of time and i get into burnout because of course then you need to repeat the meeting of course you need to repeat the meeting so i think that's that's the vicious cycle and i think um that holds true for respectful partnering as well because valuing the time of others means in your equation valuing their values and valuing their human assets and that is i think for me the most important takeaway today is to 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 understand how much this is related if i value the time um of others and myself i value immediately as well and automatically as well um our values or at least i bring room and space into uh and the possibility in to value our human core values together and that's also a form of, of respect i always say you know and that i can um express by 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 taking care of your time and my time and our time i also uh respect um people i i i could go on for ages my dear of this of of this wonderful and I, i think it was it ended somewhere else where my we might have uh, thought of but uh, i i'm very i'm very excited about to uh having taken the time to explore the topic maybe also from a maybe different different angle than normally we do in in management and since we are here already let me allow a last maybe very philosophical question here is time an illusion or in other words do you think we need really to drop this category um what happens i think what is true is that our day has 24 hours 
it, it is true. Also, our bodies are made like that. Our our inner clocks they clock after they tick after the twenty four hours. It, it, that's it's given. That is given. I think we have to work on the view on how we look at time. I mean, it starts with if you ask someone. I I mean, I don't know when it was the last time I said I don't have time. It was I'm I must have been. It's over 20 years ago, maybe even more, where I, when I said to myself, I have time. As long as my heart is beating, I have time. So the the thinking, the attitude of thinking I have time is beautiful. That's, that's just where it starts. And the other thing is we have to be aware that the time is limited. And we are not, we're a very short period of time on this beautiful planet planet and we are very lucky I believe um, we must savor that and I think the vision or the perspective about time is um, to remind yourself sometimes that uh, as I said in my first workshop we don't have uh, another thousand years to live and in my I love this I, I love that thinking I it motivates me it it gets me out of bed in the morning when I think hey I don't know how much time I have so I'm gonna I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have fun today even if I'm 11 hours in my office believe me I am I'm putting fun in there and and I I don't want to have those days where you want to have a day to get you know, get over it. That, that's it. Just breaks my heart when I hear people saying, "You know, I'm, I'm just gonna have to get over that day." It's just, you know, just you know, no, no, no. Um, so yes, of course, we should get a little bit more timeless. As I said, a little bit more. As I was in those teenage years, which I'm trying to get into my uh, office every day. This playfulness. It's you know. That, that whatever we do, we put a little bit playfulness in it. Um, then we get that inner vibration out of it. And that's when you feel alive. That's, yeah. So yes, maybe a little bit more timeless, but still, um, you know, not running after it. We don't, we, okay. The conclusion is we shouldn't put time on a throne. It's not that some people tell me, ah, oh, you know, I have a bad time management. That's why I don't have time. No, no. We all have those 24 hours. We all have it. And we all have the same amount of time when we wake up in the morning. It's, um, so time is, it's, you know, it's neutral. It's not the, the thing, the golden thing, which is standing somewhere and not everyone has it. No, we all have it. It's it's about the attitude. It's about the mindset. It's about how we look at it. Excellent. So I think I think it's a it's a good time to wrap up maybe a, a little bit or try to wrap up a little bit about all these wonderful aspects you were um, actually sharing with us here and all your wisdom. Um, so I think there may be two or three things I I think stood out that I took away at least. And I think that's the one thing is that actually time uh, management is is not the solution or what you said at the, at the end. It's not about time. It's actually about scheduling what keeps us alive. 
um, and scared and bring that back into our days and lives and not waiting for that's what I'm doing when I'm retired. So I think that's that's certainly something on the individual side, but also on the workplace side, what I what I took away is that we might get rid of this timing or, or time time pressure issue as soon as we bring in more those things that really brings us alive and really where we as human beings have our strengths and to be more concerned about and learn more about ourselves, what is actually our strength. And I think this dis discussion, I repeat myself, the discussion about artificial intelligence is it's for me a wonderful wake-up call also to not not only to think about artificial intelligence, but to take this moment to think about human intelligence. What is about us? What is our strength? What is, you know, how can we progress that one? And what is that what we want to actually grow here? So uh, it's not about time. It's actually about um, um, being alive and in line with our human strengths that lets us perceive the time not as an enemy, but um, something we need to chase after, but as something that is actually um, supporting our strengths. And the same holds true for um, partnering. Um, and that means time management is not so much a skill, but rather a mindset, this mindset to go beyond. And, and that's the same with partnering. So we try to not see partnering leadership as a skill as such and only as a skill but rather as an energy that needs to be actually um, designed for ride for taking the flow and so on and to understand better what uh, the tides of this um, uh, energy um, so and and I think what you said at the end is an interesting thought that just shortly came up to me is what what who we were without time and maybe also to bring in timeless times as you said so um where we really take out any schedule of our days where we really kind of bring in our ourselves and be and just trust what comes out there and not press ourselves into the external um, schedule whenever possible. And I was just thinking, what about if we do that as well at the workplaces from time to time? As you said, with these, with these little, um, to, to close the door, um, but also to make that really a ritual and really make a substantial, substantial time, um, of our, uh, working hours, you know, where we really get, uh, timeless time, um, where the drum beat is not, um, upon us like a sword um, so uh, thank you so much for all this wonderful wisdom and sharing with us here I uh, I think that that um, is so helpful and encouraging that we that we kind of find back to our maybe also um, natural sense of time instead of always watching to as you say the clock that we put on the throne and maybe we can come back with our being more aligned with our internal seasons and rhythms um, rather um, than following uh, something, uh, uh, a timing that is external put upon us whenever we can, at least. Um, and let's see, maybe then 
we are even more healthier and happier and um, productive. So Anna, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure um, that to explore this very essential topic for professional partnering, but I think for all of us in these days um, that are uh, where we all actually explore or experience this acceleration. I think it's it's an incredibly important topic that we need to renew our understanding about that. I love that you live what you teach. I really feel that. You are a wonderful role model for living, actually, um, these values, these human values um, um, to question, as you said, um, um, all these things and that you you jump into the unknown and into timeless times. I know that in your life and uh, your work and um, it was incredibly inspiring um, to um, chat with you here. And for those of you who want to learn more about Anna Yelen's work, uh, you can see more of her on her website, annayelen.com. And of course, there is a big invitation to all of you as well to join her programs or her podcasts. As she said, she has a own podcast, The Time Expert, or a, an English one and a Swiss one, which has uh, the title Hashtzeit. <laughs> have you time <laughs> wonderful title <laughs> and of course we will provide all the links to her um down um with this podcast together on our website partnering-leadership.academy but now the last word to you anna what did i forgot to ask you or in other words what is the final word you would love to close off here and you leave us with Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I love it. I just really love it. And uh, and I always think, oh, we should also talk about the perspective of time. We should talk about the psychology of time. We should, we should, we should. But um, no, it's, um, I think that was, um, for me, I loved to be here with you. It was like when you're in that moment and you're nowhere else. So thank you very much for this. And I just encourage people to, you know, to question the pace, to really question the pace, to to dare um, to say, this is too fast for me. This, this is too fast for me. We, 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 um, and um, we have the right to say so. And we have the right to create our own systems. And I think people who are, Uh, independent or who create their own business I think that is also often because they want to create their own system and uh, I encourage this and I also encourage people who work in the companies in the um, in and are in that race and in that pace that they question things and that they say hey do we really have to and how about this and yeah so I'm I'm here for everyone and um so thank you, Eva, very, very much for this moment here. And uh, yeah, that's all I can say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, and also for your words of encouragement. I think they are well placed here and uh, they resonate. And it's very good to remind each other um, that sometimes we need to maybe ask a little bit more and take the courage to step back and also say, I take my time. Uh, and uh, thank you for that. 
And to everybody here, if anything here spoke to you, as always, share, please share it with your family, friends, or your co-workers and partners. And thank you all for making partnering leadership a part of your life, our workplaces, our economy, and our planet. I'm looking very much forward to catch up with you on our next episode. And in the meantime, all the best and take good care. This podcast is presented to you by Partnering Leadership Academy. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel welcome to share it. If you would like to get notified about new releases, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, partnering-leadership.academy. Thank you for being part of our growing community and helping shift our economic paradigm to a more partnering, equitable and sustainable version.